0: this week is Thanksgiving week, and so uh, I know that you've been thinking about your turkey and uh, possibly your pumpkin pie. I know that some people, for whatever reason, they're going to go to Highlands Hammock on Christ- or Thanksgiving morning. They're going to run the turkey trot. I don't know why you would do any of that stuff, but some people will do it, and so I wanted to mention that. And, uh, but I w- as I've been thinking about um, our time together this morning... Uh, I've got a video clip I'm going to show at the very end. This video clip, I was just watching some different things on Right Now Media on Monday morning, uh, planning, uh, asking the Lord to give me some wisdom for this morning. And um, and so I I recognize that, you know, Thanksgiving and everybody will have that token thankfulness through the week uh, because you know you're supposed to because it's Thanksgiving week. And and, um, so you'll go around and you'll do your thing, you'll say what you're thankful for, and... And so as I've started just to think my way through this, I recognize, and you'll, you'll catch and an at the end when I show this, you'll understand where this, where this comes from, but I recognize that we're all in a, in a world that's filled with relationships. And I recognize that as we're involved in these relationships, there's this dynamic that takes place that we, we really find, have a tendency to find our significance or our value in the things of this world. And you say, well, how does this play out in your mind as you're thinking about thankful, Thanksgiving? Well, let me just share this with you. I believe as you enter into this week and you start to really think about, are you a thankful person? I know you think about Thanksgiving and, and don't... I think we get distracted with pumpkin pie and turkey and stuffing and family and the busyness. Sometimes this 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 time of the year, you know, Thanksgiving and you go going straight into Christmas, we're so busy that we miss everything that's going on around us, just as a big distraction. So really, ask yourself this question, do I use anything in this world to give me value as an individual? Because if that is true, the relationships around us suck. Because if I'm looking for something that is earthly, for my significance or my value or my worth, that fades away, doesn't it? There's nothing in this world that lasts. And so as I was thinking about this, I want you to think with me, and I've titled this thing, Vertical Thanksgiving. If my relationship with Jesus is not right, my relationship with those who are around me are not right. If I'm not developing this vertical relationship with my Savior, the people that are around me are going to suffer. And so as we get involved in this this time of the year, and it's really, don't fool yourself into thinking that you can be thankful without Jesus. You can't. Don't fool yourself into thinking that you can do life without Jesus. You can do life without Jesus but those around you will suffer. If I'm not working on this relationship, if I'm not working on the vertical part of my life, the things that are horizontal are going to pay the price. Maybe you can look at it from this perspective. Horizontal relationships can never be right when a vertical relationship is not right. If I'm looking for something of this world to to make me who I think I am or find my identity in, then if that's happening, then the people around me are going to suffer. And so you can maybe put it this way. You're either a taker or you're a giver. And I believe that directly reflects my vertical relationship. If my vertical relationship with God as my father is as a personal working relationship, I am less likely to be a taker. If I wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, I don't need you. I'm going to enjoy my life today. Then I'm going to be a taker. There's, there's not one of us in this room that being a taker does not come natural. You were all two ones. And your favorite word was not shared. Your favorite word, and probably nobody ever taught you this word, was first off, No. And then mine. Right? I mean, your parents didn't high-five each other. I mean, Tuesday night and this go, yes, we finally told our kids how to say no. We're such great parents. Oh, they don't share. Isn't that awesome? Wow, look at that. That's we're, we're, No, it doesn't. that came natural. We didn't have to even tell them. Be selfish. But as I get older, if I don't develop this relationship with Jesus, You will be a taker. And those people that are around you will suffer the consequences. And so as I was thinking about this this morning, I started thinking about, God, who are you? God, is there there some characteristic that I might be tempted to go to, look for something in the world to say, you know what, God? maybe Maybe this can help me and not God help me. So I wanted to know, and I won't tell you how many uh, words I have for you like last week. I won't tell you the number of my words. But if you're taking notes last week, it's less than what I gave you last week. So the first word I want to give you is eternal or eternity. Or you can say eternal, however you want to break it. But as I think about God this morning and my vertical relationship with my heavenly father, I need to know that my father is from eternity. He's eternal. There was no beginning to God. It just wasn't like He woke up one day and said, "Oh yeah, now I exist." And there's not going to He's not going to just disappear one day. Take your Bible and go with me to Psalm uh, 90, verse two. And so, as you think about eternity, that means that God is God is endless. To realize that God is eternal, Psalm 90, verse two. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So as I think about my vertical relationship and where I want to go find my value, I want to go to find my value or my significance in somebody that I know is eternal. That I can place my confidence in that he's just not going to disappear. That I can be assured in my soul that he's always going to exist. That he is sustainable. That no matter what goes on around me, that my God is there for me, period. He's eternal. The next word I want you to look at is holiness. Holiness normally defines a negativity or a negative connotation when you read the word holiness. And most of the time, when we think about God, we think about God as a holy God. I don't realize—you'll see what I'm going to put on the very last word. I'm going to put on the screen It's most of the time what we think when we think about God. Why don't you go, take your Bible, go to Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. Leviticus 11:44. realize that the Lord our God is talking to the nation of Israel. I understand that, but I want you to to see something with me. Leviticus 11.44 I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am holy. Do not make yourself unclean by any creature that moves about on the ground. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, Be holy because I am holy. I realize when you when I read that I realize that none of you have walked across the sea on dry ground. I realize that none of you have seen ten amazing miraculous things that go against the Egyptians gods that they worshipped and then God brought them out. I recognize that you were standing at the water and watching the Egyptians come, the soldiers come and the chariots come and Moses saying you know what, we're dead. People are complaining we're dead. It's over. And then God splits the sea, and you walk across on dry ground. I got that. I understand that. But God's brought you out too, hasn't he? God has rescued you. And with the same hunger that God is saying to the nation of Israel, hey, I brought you out of Egypt. I've showed you. I've demonstrated all this stuff for you. My longing for you is, is to love the things that I love as God. And one of God's characteristics is that he is holy. And really, a proper view of holiness... I was, a lot of this I've got from um, Ryrie's basic theology uh, book that I was looking at. A proper view of holiness of God should make the believer sensitive to his own sin. Now, if you don't value God as holiness, you haven't thought about your sin this week. And normally when we start talking about sin... It's fascinating how good we are at justifying why we did what we did. Or if that doesn't work, then we'll start thinking about what our spouse did or what our neighbor did or what happened at work. And so there's no personal, hey Jesus, what's going on in my soul today? What area of sin are you struggling with in my life? And so as I thought about that, take your Bible and go with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Jesus is with the disciples. They've been out in the boat. Simon Peter, he's in the boat. He's talking. Pick it up in verse 4. When he finished speaking, he said to Simon, put down into the deep water and let down your nets. He's talking to these fishermen. They had been fishing. They hadn't caught any fish. He tells Simon, let the net down. Simon answers him, Master, we've worked all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners and the other boat to come and help help them. And when they came, they filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me. Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simeon's partners, they said to Simon, don't be afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid. For now you will catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore and left everything and they followed. See, normally what would have happened is they would Normally, or would have been typical, or what would have been natural, is for, for these guys to celebrate. God, look what you've done. Throw it a big party. Check out all the fish. Not Simon. Simon fell on his face. He said, I'm a sinner. And I don't know for you, but an awareness of my sin and our sin should be something that we should not become accustomed to it shouldn't be something that we just should deflect from it shouldn't be something that we we blame on it should be something we should fall on our face and say God you're right and what I'm doing right now it's not a mistake it's not because you're tired it's not because you're mad it's not because of whatever excuse you want to give, and you're, we're really good at giving excuses. What we're doing right now, call it what God said, sin, and fall on your face before Him. Say I'm wrong. It wasn't something that that was a mistake. We live in a mistake-filled world. Oh, it was just a mistake. No, it wasn't a mistake. It was sin. So this morning, as you as you gathered around, as a, As a family around the word of God, know that your father's holy. Another thing that I love about my father is that he's immutable. He never changes. he won't change. He can't change. How many of the times do you start out your day and you start out in a pretty good mood and by the afternoon you're pretty grumpy? I'm sure none of you ever do that. And so as you think about our God this morning, we need to be thankful that our God never changes. He's unchangeable. Take your Bible, go to James um, chapter 1. James 1, if you're, uh, verse 17. James 1, 17. Verse 16 says, Do not be deceived, my brothers. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shafts. He doesn't change. God's immutability offers comfort and assurance that God's promises will not fail. Take your Bible and go to 2 Timothy 1. Uh, two. Second Timothy two, pick it up um, in verse eleven. Second Timothy two eleven. Here's a trustworthy saying: if we, di- if we die with him, we will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. Or he can't just own himself. The next word I want you to see is "on my presence." Take your Bible and go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. Pick it up in verse um, seven. The psalmist writes, "Where can I go from your? Where can I go from your Spirit? Where can I?" Flee from your presence. If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day and the darkness is light to you. God's presence is always no matter where you are, sometimes that's really, really exciting, and sometimes that's really, really scary. To know that no matter where I am or what's going on inside of my heart, mind, or soul, that my God knows. I want to show you one other one truth. Take your Bible and go to John chapter 17. John 17. John 17 uh, after verse one it's uh, Jesus says, After Jesus said this, he looked toward the heavens and prayed, "Father, the time has come, glorify your Son, that your Son might glor- glorify you, For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true. He is true. And it's interesting to me that if God is truth, everything that is not from God is what? It's a lie. Do you believe that? Okay. What are you watching? If it's not from God, it's a what? It's a lie. Here's another question: Who are you paying to lie to you? Think about it. Who are you paying through the books that you buy, through your connections to internet, through all this different stuff? You're basically paying people to lie to you. If it's not from God, it's not true. It's not true. And so then we wonder why we are where we are. We wonder why where we see people walking around outside around us and they're looking for the things of this world to fill only the things that God can fill. And the thing that we, that we want and we always talk about is how much God, what? Loves us. And we can go on for hours about God's love for us. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about that. But as I think about that, and as I was reading Ryrie this, this, this week like many Christians love is more than discussed, is discussed more than defined even the dictionary offers little help love consists of affection and also correction and so we all if you've been given a, a child and you start out and the, you, you hold them you love them and then their sin nature comes out and so what do you do you correct them. You encourage them to go in a different direction. Sometimes it's just because mom and dad said so. Sometimes they learn just to be obedient because if, if they don't stop when you say stop, something bad's going to happen to them. And so you get involved in teaching them truth. Hey, you probably ought to do this. Ultimately, you can't control it all the time. As parents, we'd like to, but that's just not how it works. And so as you think about God's love for you, know that he will correct me. Know that times that you need to look yourself in the mirror and say, Okay, God, what do you want to do inside of me? God, what do you want to change inside of me? God, what do you want to correct? What do you want to move out of my life? I was you know, kind of giggling this morning, first hour, thinking, you know, I know that, that um, one of my favorite people uh, growing up in high school, his name was Coach Hands. And um, I know that he liked us. Uh, I'm not sure that he loved us, but I know that he liked us. And I know that he liked us to do certain things. And if we didn't do certain things his way, you know what he did? He corrected us. You know what he never gave me all the years that I played basketball for him? He never gave me a participation award. He never came to me and said, You know what, Patterson? I really appreciate you, and I know that we lost, but here's a participation award because you were part of the team. He never gave me one of those. After we got beat, we were back at the gym, and we were fixing the things that he wanted to fix so that we would do better the next time we stepped out on the floor. He corrected us. He wanted what was best for us. He was teaching us a lesson as young men, and most of us missed it. We're just like, Oh, man, back to practice. We're gonna run. We're gonna die. And he was showing us as men what it was. When you won, you did this. When you lost, you took you took you took direction. You learned so that you'll be better the next time you stepped out. Don't you think God will do that for you? Don't you think God wants to teach you? And so this morning, as you as you've gathered, and I know we're going into Thanksgiving, and I know that we're you know it should be this. Oh, let's talk about being happy and being thankful. But you know what? You cannot be thankful unless you've got a vertical relationship with Jesus Christ. And there's a difference for me just talking about, Oh yeah, Jesus, I love you. And there's a difference about me developing a relationship. Hey, Father, what do you want from me today? What do you want me to see today? Well, I want to show you today that I'm eternal. Well... When was the last time I thought about God being eternal? He says, I want you to know that I'm eternal because when you start to look for things of this world to give you value, there's nobody that's eternal but me. Well, when you start to think, well, what about this? Well, what's the truth? Because he is truth. And at times we like truth when it suits us. But we don't like truth when we're saying, you know what, this is what I want from you. This is where I want to guide you. This is where I want to lead you. Follow the truth. It's fascinating how, I mean, how people come to me and say, well, Jesus said do this. Well, I didn't find that in the Bible anywhere. Well, it's this verse right here. This is what he really meant when he said that. No, he didn't. This is what he meant. Because this is truth. But we want it when it suits our lifestyle, when it's convenient. Well, I want to be mad at so-and-so for how long? Well, that's not right. Last time I looked at love, and I looked at it through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is not easily offended. Why did you say it like that? What did you mean when you say that? Why do you ask me that question? Why are you offended? Because love's not easily offended. So this morning I want to share just this video, and I'll wrap it up at the end. But this is one of my favorite um, speakers at this point in life and ministry. I love listening to him, so uh, if it'll work, I'll just uh, let uh, Paul Tripp share this with you this morning.
1: I was thinking this morning that half the time I don't have a clue who I am. And I don't mean by that that I don't know my name or where I live, but that I've, I live as an identity amnesiac. Uh, I don't know whether you realize this or not, but one of the things that human beings do all the time, one of the part parts of that incessant conversation we have with ourselves all the time is we're always assigning to ourselves some kind of identity and along with identity is we're always measuring our potential it is because I am then I'm able to do that's the that's the identity and p- potential the only safe reliable place to get your identity, the only place where it can be sturdy and firm and give you rest is vertically. Because every place horizontally that you look for identity can't deliver. You can't look for identity in your marriage. You're, You're not married to the fourth member of the Trinity. You can't look for success for identity because yesterday's success may turn to tomorrow's failure you can't look to your body because all of our bodies are in a state of decay you can't look to your possessions because they just they don't fulfill they don't meet that need in your heart in fact here's the way it, it works. All of those glories of the physical created world that we would look to for identity were designed by God to be one finger to point us to the one who alone is able to give us that sense of this is who I am. I am a child of God. Could never have earned it. Could never have deserved it could never have achieved it, Uh, it's not on my shoulders to maintain it, Uh, I'll never be in another situation where I've done so many bad things that I get kicked out of the family. It's firm and secure and with that identity, God says, I give you everything that you could ever need. I mean, how awesome is that? I'm free from having to spend more than I could ever make to try to uh, collect a pile of material goods that will tell me I'm something. I'm free of needing the next success to feel like something. I don't, frankly, give a rip of what you think about me in order to feel like something. Uh, it just, I'm free. Because grace has connected me to the most awesome experience that a human being could ever have. I'm loved. I'm eternally loved. I'm forever loved. I'm loved unbroken. And with that love, everything that I could ever need is delivered to me. I'm never again left to the limited package of my resources. That's who I am. And you can't take that away from me.
0: here's my question what is Jesus to you but I don't want you to answer it I want you to think about what would your friends say is the people the way that know you because of your actions not the ones that you're sitting around with. but this this last slide if it oh I'm sorry. Who is He? So I believe a lot of people think of Jesus as an acquaintance. Or it's just some history person. Oh yeah, we know about Him. We've heard about Him. But my question to you this morning is, is He your Father? Do you have a vertical relationship with Him? That tomorrow morning He'll hear your voice? Because I know that that the world's going to put a lot of things in front of me. And what he's saying to you today, as you go into thanksgiving, he's eternal, he's holy, he's immutable, he's on my present, he's truth, he's love, and he longs to be your father. So why would we search for anything that the world has to offer and substitute it for him? So this morning as we Finish up. I I just wonder where these will go, and I just wonder if as we as they go out, and I know at times we just well, it's our social duty. We should send out a shoebox, but this was Mark and Girl, ten to fourteen. I wonder if he'll become her father whenever she gets the box. I wonder if she'll learn that he's eternal. I wonder if she'll learn that he's truth. I wonder if she'll learn that he's he's everywhere. So that when things are going on, she'll say, oh no, wait a minute, I don't need that, I've got Jesus. I've got this relationship with my father. He said, no, you don't need that, that won't make you happy, that won't make you strong, that won't give you value. But he will. Prayers that when she gets this box that day she'll say yes to Jesus, and then her mom and her dad and her brothers and sisters will know God—not about God, not as an acquaintance, but an intimate relationship that works vertically. So then it will bless those who are around us. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for allowing us to gather, and thank you for the shoebox ministry. God, you know the name of the little girl's going over. You know what country she'll be in. You know what village she'll live in. You know the color of her hair. So I say, thank you, Father. My prayer, Father, is that she will know you as Father. That she will find her value in you. And that her heart would be thankful, not just one week of the year, but because she had this relationship with you, 52 weeks out of the year, not just one, that she would demonstrate thankfulness to those who are around her. And Father, I pray that for us, for me first, and then for our family. Thank you for allowing us to meet with your word. May it not just be information, but may your word mold us to be the sons and daughters you want us to be. Father, we need you, and you're the only one that can we ask you for help. In your name I pray.